Seinfeld, the yada yada is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post show recap. And now here are the two guys who literally yada yada, almost nothing. I'm Rob Sister Music Keeper Winnick Akiva. How are you? Yeah, we hope to one day be able to yada yada stuff, but uh, we're not up there. <laughs> yeah. We didn't yada yada nine years of Seinfeld, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, I mean, the truth is that would have been a good idea. If we just did like, what if like right now we just said like, we we put po- we posted this and it said you know episode one fifty three or whatever it is the yada yada through episode one seventy seven or one seventy six the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Yeah, yada yada yada, and then go right into it. Th- that's fine. We just like cut out twenty four with this episode, uh, and then we go straight to the finale next week. Yeah, that would be very helpful. To be honest, it would really free up my schedule. <laughs> it would free up your schedule. You'd appreciate that. Yeah. All right, so Akiva, I'm very excited to talk about uh, the yada yada here. Uh, yeah, definitely a classic episode. You know, some of these season eight episodes, they're not held the same esteem, not as famous as something like the Soup Nazi. But, I mean, this, this you know, holds a candle to just about any episode. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the yada yada from April 24th, uh, 1997, uh, written by a friend of the podcast, Peter Melman and Jill Franklin. And uh, very excited. Uh, again, in that final disc of season eight. Yeah. Jill Franklin, fun fact, uh, this is one of her only credits ever. Yes. On any in show. life? Yeah. It's her only Seinfeld credit. It's one of her only only credits on her entire IMDb page. I think she worked on some show called like uh, Gravity or something, but that's it. Gravity? The movie? No. See, that's what I thought. I'm like, I never even heard of that show, but <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah. a show called Gravity. Okay, well, we've got a lot going on here. Of course, uh, Tim Watley is back, and he's going to be converting to Judaism here in this episode. Uh, Mickey is back, and even we get to see Deborah Messing back uh, reprising her role as Beth. So a uh, jam-packed episode. Yeah, it's really star-studded. You have Robert Wagner showing up for like two seconds. Yes, and Jill St. John. Uh, And her, too. Yeah, so uh, a lot of stuff going on here in uh, the Yada Yada Kiva. Since we last spoke, I was in New York at my mom's house. Uh, We did the live show in New York. And now this was probably a uh, 10-day break uh, for you and I in recording the Seinfeld Post Show recap. Yeah, we haven't gone 10 days without speaking uh, very many times in the last few years. Yes. So uh, what were you doing during that time? That uh, Were you uh, planning any more kids? Planning kids? Oh, my God. I was, you know, thinking about, like, sending them away to boarding school. <laughs> you think I want more kids right now? Yeah. That's it? I mean, I did uh, I did a, a three-sport fantasy draft. I feel like I hit my apex or, or low point in life, depending on your perspective. The League of Leagues. So you did a three-sport fantasy draft, yada, 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 and now what? Now we got to update those teams for the next two years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, How do you do the waiver wire in that league? Well, it's three separate leagues. You have you have like three separate rosters. It's like now now that the draft is over, it's you know, you have a fantasy baseball team and a basketball team and a football team. You can trade, uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard for Carmelo Anthony or something. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, it's separate. The scoring is separate for each league. Okay, and then uh, is that all uh, with a on offline system or it's an online league? The draft was offline, but uh, but the leagues are online. Okay. All right. Well, uh, now that we've bored people enough uh, with uh, talking about that stuff, I mean, there's like a good like 50 people that are fascinated, but uh, most people are probably saying like, uh, let's get to the Seinfeld episode. Yeah, this is uh, nobody likes to hear about someone's fantasy team. So now multiply that by like three because I'm talking about three <laughs> fantasy teams. And it's even nerdier. 
their turducken of fantasy leagues. That's right. All right. So uh, let's jump into talking about uh, the yada, 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 or I'm sorry, just the uh, yada, yada. Uh, interestingly, uh, the episode title is yada, yada, but, you know, the line is always people yada, yada, yada. Yeah, the difference between two yadas and three yadas, I guess we could really analyze that as we go on this episode here. Okay, well, the episode starts off with a very interesting moment that I'd like to get your take on. We see Jerry and George from the back at a urinal talking about uh, if you have to read five books, take five books to an island. They're talking about this. We've talked about how George is not a big reader. Uh, He ends up settling on the Three Musketeers. He says that he hasn't read it. He's saving it for the island, which is a good line. Uh, Jerry is asking him about what is your favorite Chamberlain. And uh, what do we have? Uh, Wilt, Neville, and who's the other one? I don't know. I I mean, those those are definitely the big two. Any any other Chamberlain would be like a clear Jabba, third place. I think it was. Oh, you know, is he a starting pitcher or a lever Jabba? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, look, you don't want to mess with him too much. There'll be no good if you mess with him. That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, remember when uh, all those bugs were crawling on Jabba Chamberlain? I mean, really, ultimately, like, if they're all the Jabba stuff, and he was like the most talked about person in New York sports for like five years, it's the only thing he'll be remembered for is the bugs bothering him. Yeah. Oh, we got to handle Jabba with kid gloves. We don't want to screw him up. Um, but then it, just uh, go back to the uh, Jerry and George uh, urinal conversation. Um, was this off putting for you at all? What, to watch them pee? Yeah, it, it just seems like a very odd uh you know, George has in the past called himself a stall man. Jerry, I can't imagine, uh, is somebody who would like to have conversation with people uh, at the time that he is also uh, trying to relieve himself. It's a little weird. And plus, obviously, they're fake peeing. So it's hard to like really fake pee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I, I hear what you're saying. It is a little off putting, but it, it doesn't bother me. There's a lot more pee humor, I feel like, in season eight and nine than the first seven seasons. Uh, maybe Larry was against it. So then there's something else weird that happens at the end of this scene. So Jerry says to George, hey, what's going on over there? And George says something like, yeah, I've got a problem. I, I need to get it checked out. You mean just because he pees for like over a minute? Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the issue there? Does he has he drank too much? I mean, does he have some sort of a urinary tract infection? Does he have a venereal disease? Maybe he has uromycetosis poisoning. Uh, uromycetosis. So, yeah, it's just weird. And it's not a plot point in the episode, but it's just very bizarre to have a situation comedy open up with one of our characters has some ailment and then we won't address it again the rest of the episode. Nope, never hear about it again. So whatever it was must not have been serious. Uh, or it's so serious, but it just happened off camera when we weren't looking. Yeah. And we, you know, we can't find out. About they yada yada whatever was going on with George. That would be a good answer if we like asked Mel what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, yada, yada, yada. He's fine. So we start the episode off proper and also some other weird conversation going on. So George has a new girlfriend. Her name is Marcy. You like Marcy? I, at the end, I don't like her. <laughs> So uh, she seems like she's like a business professional, like she's dressed, uh, you know, very formal uh, throughout the whole episode. And uh, George is saying, hey, you should have seen me in the hot tub today. I was naked. Yeah, that is a weird line from George, especially like does he have so much confidence about his nude body, especially after like the trip to the Hamptons? I can't imagine so. Well, 
if any time he was going to be confident, you know, in the Hamptons, he was done in by cold water. This would be the opposite of that. Right. But still, is is George like that confident in his naked body that he would ever say that to a woman? Now, then we have George talking about how he was naked in the hot tub. Uh, You should have seen me. And Marcy asks Jerry, how did he look? And Jerry's talking about, well, I wouldn't see it again. Was Jerry also naked in the hot tub? (sighs) Jerry has been a staunch anti-hot tub guy throughout eight seasons. And he's probably a never nude also, Jerry. (laughs) You would think so. So So him and George, they're peeing together. They're in the hot tub. If Jerry is not in the hot tub, he's at least uh, viewing George naked in a hot tub. It's a little strange. Yeah. By the way, this Marcy... She's on Twitter. It's her. She's verified. I am. I am at. I am Suzanne Cryer. Maybe she's John Cryer's uh, sister. Mm-hmm. Um, let me tell. I'm going to tell you her. Um, her like. Uh, not under what's it called under the profile picture um, on Twitter. Her bio. Or her. I'm going to tell you her bio. You tell me if we should have her on the podcast. Okay. okay. Yes, I was on Seinfeld. No, I do not have any anecdotes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that she. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Now I want to have her on the. Now I want to have her on the podcast. She seems funny. Yes, I mean that. Uh, that is like a uh, a funny line. She should say yes. I was on Seinfeld. Yada yada yada. I have no anecdotes. Should I tweet that at her? <laughs> yeah, ask her if she can incorporate yada 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 into her uh, Twitter bio. I feel like I'm going to get blocked. My, here's my Who problem. Cares? I've never been. I've never been blocked, and I don't want to be. Like, once I get blocked by one person, I can become a full-on, like, super troll. Yeah. But I've never been I've never been blocked, and I feel like I have to protect that streak. I've been blocked. Yeah, so you could tweet that. Like, I don't want to get blocked by Suzanne Cryer, who has 3,000 followers, as my first, you know, as, as my first block ever. I feel like I, I have to earn that block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. It's the only thing that stops me from trolling, really, is, is uh, you know, the the fact that I'm, I'm fear of blockage. Yeah, well, um, you know... Fight the brave fight, Akiva. I, I think that uh, if it happens, you'll be fine. I think you'll bounce back. All right. So someone tweeted at her most recently. Your episode is on Seinfeld on TBS tonight. Yada yada yada. And what did she say? She did not block them. She said that's twelve cents heading my way. Sweet. <laughs> okay. So uh, she's in. She's in it for the royalty money. Yeah. So I won't get blocked. All right. So I'll tell her. I'll tell her too, and we'll see what we'll you know we'll update this next week and see what happens. Yeah. Why is that joke always twelve cents? You know, it's never like... And that's probably exactly what they get. Is it exactly what they get? Or you think that that's just sort of like become like the amount? I mean, nothing in Hollywood is true. So that might just be like a bogus... Like everyone in Hollywood, if they want to say like someone wrote them something, they say they sent me a letter. Yeah. Like no one in Hollywood has ever said like this person sent me an email. Every Hollywood story ever is they sent me a letter or a note. Well, sometimes it's a stalker would send a letter. Right. But I, these are like famous people, not stalkers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then... She also talks about how her friend got Legionnaire's disease in the hot tub. Again, uh, why are we bringing this dark story into this? I don't know. And and again, where is right? Where does that go? Like she doesn't seem like Debbie Downer here. Right. So it is a it is a weird. So thing. she says a friend of mine thought she got Legionnaire's in the hot tub. Uh, what happened? She said yada yada yada. Just some bad egg salad. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's a weird yada yada yada. Yeah, I, I, there's there's a few weird yada yada yadas in this episode that are totally unnecessary. Because I, you would think if you were going to write that sentence, it would be, my friend thought she got Legionnaire's disease in the hot tub, and it turns out that she didn't. She ate some bad egg salad. 
Right. There's no no need for the yada yada. Yeah, yada. I don't know what part of the story she's skipping over. Um, but anyway, so it's an interesting dynamic between Jerry and George where Jerry says, I notice she's big on the phrase yada yada. George looks extremely fearful at the point where he says, wait, is yada yada bad? It's almost like, oh, does Jerry not approve my girlfriend? And I have to then uh, reevaluate what I think about her if Jerry doesn't like her. Yeah, until we find out that she's like a monster towards the end of the episode, she's actually one of the most likable. I think all the guest stars, by the way, in this episode are fantastic. Yeah. This is one of the best guest star episodes of the whole series. Well cast. But she's really likable till the end. Right. Yeah, the cast here is great. <laughs> I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches between Deborah Messing and, and Brian Cranston. And, and this, uh, you know, Cryer didn't have a great career like they did, but she's really good, too. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, she's still working on it. Yeah. But, uh, she could be the shot. biggest of all All she needs them is, a, is a better end. Twitter bio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once she changes up that Twitter bio, who knows? Sky's the limit. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, Jerry says, no, it's very succinct. Like USA Today, uh, here comes Tim Watley. Is it just me or are Tim Watley's pants pulled up ridiculously high? It's a little bit 90s-ish, right? He he looks very dorky. Also, amazingly, like many other people in Hollywood, his hairline has mysteriously gotten much better mm-hmm. since 1996. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> So uh, Tim Watley came in. He was just at the health club. He didn't do much. He just sat in the sauna. You know, it was more like a Jewish workout. Keeve, I've never heard that phrase before. Is that a thing, Jewish workout? No, but I think the word schwitz is Jewish, yes. and therefore schwitzing, I guess they're making I – th- I think it's a schwitz joke, not like that Jews just sit in the sauna. Although I do think you go to Florida, there are a lot of old Jewish guys naked in the sauna, probably. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that the original line in the script was, no, I was just taking a schwitz, and then that they changed the script up, like, oh, and, uh, too many people aren't going to get what that is. So Yes. Although I think schwitz has been so popular in pop culture in the last 20 years, I would think most people know what a schwitz is now, right? Just It's a sauna? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it, you're taking a schwitz as you're in a sauna, yes. right? So, and it's interesting that... I mean, I think schwitz literally means sweating. Yeah. I mean, and what's going on with all this uh, humidity between uh, George was sitting in a hot tub, Tim Watley is sitting in a sauna? I know, and it's it's still like practically winter in uh, in New York at this point. Yeah. All right. So then we see Jerry and Elaine, and Jerry is talking about how um, that Tim Watley just converted to Judaism, and now he's already making jokes. Yep. Uh, you know, I guess that's why he he converted. Do we know why he converted? That we think we suspect it really was because of the jokes, or is he just taking advantage of the jokes? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's both. I'm, I'm, you know, maybe it was for a woman. You know, people convert. Yeah, typically for, for, for a relationship or, or a man. You know, there's people that uh, yes, you know yeah, uh, for a significant other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I, I think it's probably like he was going to do it for a relationship and realize like, oh, I could, you know, then open season for me on making the jokes. May as well do it. Yeah. OK. So uh, there's a funny uh, exchange between uh, Jerry and Elaine where Elaine is talking about how she uh, the people when they turn 21, they get drunk. Uh, and Jerry says uh, booze isn't a religion. She says, uh, tell my father. Anyway, uh, that's a good joke. We get to uh, Beth Luckner called. So what was the episode that uh, we last saw Deborah Messing's character, uh, Beth uh, and uh, her marriage that uh, Jerry and Elaine were trying to wait out? Yeah, it was the wait the out. Wait that, out. Uh, she, they were tr- when she was married to David. Yeah. So uh, Beth and David. Right. And, and was David, uh, was he Carrie Elways? Was that who it was? Uh, anyway. It's not ca- yeah. 
And I his, thought it was Carrie Ools. Yeah, so we talked about his accent. So uh, Beth has now uh, been out of that marriage, and she remarried already. Jerry says, I got to get on the internet. I'm late on everything. So uh, Jerry Seinfeld, like, uh, predicting Facebook here in 1997. Right, yeah. Chester wrote in and said, like, what would the how would the internet have helped him find out about their marriage? Which is a good question. This is pre Facebook and it's pre MySpace. Like, even on MySpace, you might have seen who's married. Was there like a mechanism to know who was married in 1997? I don't think so. Yeah, it's interesting because you like this was written as a joke, as in like, oh, you can get news on the internet, and he's like saying like, oh, I'm late to the party because I'm not on the internet, I'm not getting the news. But uh, ironically enough, you know, uh, some ten years later, you would get that very kind of personalized news on the internet. Well, even less than ten years, but yeah, no, I mean, this internet wise, and we get very little internet stuff uh, in these later seasons when it actually exists. Uh, it is a very interesting time, right? Like we, you know, it it exists, but it's it's this curiosity. We're talking, you know. April of 97. So everyone uh, or everyone who's tech savvy is getting those AOL discs and is going on them. Mm-hmm. But there's no Google yet or, or even Yahoo or whatever. You know, the, the first popular search engine was Dogpile. I don't, I don't remember what was before that. Remember Dogpile? Uh, I remember the name. I don't know if I was a big Dogpile guy. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if Dogpile had I won? I like, been asking Jeeves. Dogpile could have easily. Yeah, is, I think Jeeves is probably gone, no? Uh, I don't know. I bet it exists in some format. Yeah, someone probably bought it for like 10 bucks. But can you imagine if Dogpile had beaten Yahoo, Google out, you know, and everything now was just, I'm going to Dogpile it. Yeah. <laughs> and we would think that was normal. I don't even get what the metaphor is. Like the dog like stores stuff and like we store. Is that what it is? Your, your dog like has a pile of stuff and this is what that is? Yeah, it's like a do- it's, your dog is like storing stuff and, and everything you need to what know is in this. What dog does I've never seen a dog make a pile of stuff. I've seen a dog like take a bone and bury it. A dog like can take your stuff. I mean, I don't see a reason for its name. It has a whole Wikipedia page, but I, there's no explanation for the name. Yeah. Um, I feel like a... You know, I was going to make a Michael Vick uh, joke, but I will I will abstain uh, from that, Keeve. I, kn- I know what a uh, what a noted uh, uh, football fan you are. Yeah. And dog. Lover, yes. So don't make that yes. joke. <laughs> OK. Anyway, so we then find out that uh, Beth and her new husband, Arnie, are looking to adopt uh, a kid. Yeah. Uh, Beth, we learned it doesn't come up this episode, but in the previous episode, we learned that she's a doctor. Yes. OK. So uh, we find out that uh, they're trying to adopt a kid and Elaine is going to like uh, testify uh, in the hearing. Here comes uh, Mickey and Kramer and Mickey and Kramer. um I mean, have they always bickered this much? I feel like it's similar to the Kramer-Newman relationship, right? They're like best friends, but also kind of enemies. Yeah, I mean, this episode, they don't stop fighting for one second. Listen, they're fighting over love. I, You know, that it's not that crazy. But I agree. They do seem like they hate each other here. But again, so does he and Newman a lot of times. Yeah, but, you know, in the past with Mickey, I feel like it's like oh, they come in and like, hey, we're working on this. And, you know, and Kramer is going to help me with this thing. And he's going to be a stand in at the soap opera and he's gonna you know uh help me in my scene study and then something happens they have an altercation but this is just like every scene they're in a, a like a physical altercation yeah and also like i mean no offense to mickey but i feel like kramer should be able to take him you would think pretty so easily especially after his uh learning karate earlier yeah he's the best he's the best in karate i feel like he, he should be able to use that yeah all right so they have the same shirt uh how did mickey and kramer both end up with the same shirt they said they met women at the gap were they buying this shirt 
Yeah, I think they must have gone to the Gap together and accidentally or on purpose bought the same shirt. So what is the relationship of the women that they are on the double date with? Are they just best friends? Yeah. Yeah, it must be like the female Kramer and Mickey. Okay, all right. So uh, Elaine asked them the question, how do you decide who's going to date which girl? Uh, they don't know. Keith, have you ever double dated? You know, we got to ask a lot of uh, double date questions in the comments. Right. I don't think – the problem with my wife and I, we have nothing in common, as I've established many times, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, if I like a guy, my wife will invariably be disinterested in – uh, his wife. Right. And vice versa. So, like, we don't have a lot of couples friends. We, I, I'm not saying we have none, but this is my long way of saying I don't I can't remember the last time we went on a double date. Yeah, I'm I, I've never been in any sort of a situation like this. Um, I have like been a lot many, many moons ago. I like have sort of like been at a bar with friends and then there is like a, a bunch of women and then we're taught we're talking to them. But uh kind of feel like that the the woman just like uh decides uh which guy she likes the best. Yeah, I yeah, I mean the idea of a double date to me it's like, you know, it's so hard to go out just the two of us. It it just seems unlikely that it would happen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh George is uh with his date and they're driving in the car and she's uh telling another one of her uh yada 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 stories. Uh, which is uh, what? That she was on 3rd Avenue minding her own business and she got a free massage and a facial. And a facial. Yes. And uh, again, when we find out the reveal, like these stories make no sense. The yada yadas make no sense or the stories themselves make no sense. Right. Like if her story was I stole a a handbag uh, and then or what did she steal a watch? A Piaget watch. Yeah. Yes. she, She stole a watch and then stole a massage and a facial. I mean, I don't know who would tell that story of uh, I was minding my own business and yada, yada, yada. I got a free massage and a facial. Like even when she when she reveals to George later in the episode that she's like a thief, she's not embarrassed by it. It's like you wanted to know. So here I'm going to tell you. But she's like very matter of fact about it. I mean, she's matter of fact about that. She had sex with her ex-boyfriend. Well, did she? I, I mean, I think that's what the interpretation is. But she never explicitly says that the way she Does she have says, to, Keeve? I don't know. I mean, she's, she sort of implies, like, that's sort of like what throws you off. She sort of implies that they didn't. I mean, my ex-boyfriend came over late last night. Yada, yada, yada. I'm tired today. She's talking about she answered the door. She was in a towel. She was dripping wet. I mean, George is, like, stopping the story. She doesn't say, no, 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 no nothing happened. Yeah, but then then later on, right, later on, he says, like, tell me about the ex-boyfriend story. And I mean, I guess she never says that she goes did right it, back right? in. I was dripping wet and he yeah. was at the door. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they, that's probably something happened. Keith, there's no other interpretation. I don't even think this but is But she's a psychopath then. Yes. Because I, I, yes. Be, I think that's, like, why would she say that? Why not just lie? Well, uh, that the here's the thing that she's a psychopath. Is she just relieved that George is the kind of guy she could just say all these things? She doesn't have yeah, to. Yeah, I just want well, yeah, She thinks like, oh, George just wants to hear the truth. He doesn't mind that I'm crazy. Yeah. So I'm not sure exactly uh, what's what's going on there. But anyway, so uh, George is driving his mom's Cadillac uh, in this episode. Again, Keith, this is another weird thing. There's no payoff in this episode to why George is driving his mom's Cadillac. 
Yeah, I, it, Why I is mean, he driving his may, own car in this episode? I don't know. Maybe they couldn't find it. Like, they lost it. It, it, it wasn't on set that day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're driving your mom's Cadillac. Well, that's weird. It's like, okay, well, uh, it's only like an excuse for him to give a yada, yada, yada story. I, I don't know. It just seems like a weird way to just segue into that. You but. know, this is a 26-minute episode. I wonder if it was like like supposed to be double or something and stuff got cut out. Who knows? There was a deleted scene. Did you watch it? Yes. The deleted scene. It's bizarre. It's bizarre, right? He cuts a, he, he drills a hole in the... In in the wall at Yankee Stadium. At Why? And was it like a peephole? Is he like spying? Yeah, I think on it must be a peephole. He must be spying on uh, you know a secretary or something. <laughs> oh my god! But it doesn't make sense, right? It's like, oh, I guess she's kind of a monster. So now I get to do whatever I want too. Yeah, like, it, 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 the, the deleted scene is really is really bizarre. Deleted for a reason, as we always say. All right, so Kramer and Mickey are at the dinner date. Uh, they are trying to decide uh, who is dating who. Uh, the women's names are Karen and Julie. Kiva, if I gave you ten thousand dollars, could you tell me who was Karen and who was Julie? No, I have no idea. Like not only without pictures, but even like who marries. Um, Mickey at the end. I think Karen marries Mickey, but I would I, I would basically be fifty one forty nine. Yeah. So uh, there's a little bit of discussion where they're just like blurting things out. Uh, they're talking about Merlot, who loves Merlot the most, and uh, you know we don't really have any sort of uh, clarification on uh, who's going to be going out with who. I mean, they they like fight over it so much, and why don't they just bring it up? Be like, uh, like, who do you guys want? Who who do you guys want to date? How come they don't ask them? They hmm. don't say we don't know your names. Just say, like, it's up to you guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird that it never – there's no discussion. There's no sort of, like, back channel in terms of anything. I mean, uh, one of them ends up marrying Mickey. The other one wanted Kramer. Uh, the one that Kramer's with runs out uh, at the end of the episode. Like, she wanted to marry Mickey. So uh, it seems like uh, all this could have been avoided. Yes, very easily could have been avoided. Yeah. And also um, that we presume the next time we see Mickey, he's not still married, right? And we see him once more before the finale. It's not mentioned either way. But I believe the way that breakups end, like if you like if something negative happens, it's implied that there'll be a breakup that they show in between the episode that ends and the new one to come where there'll be inevitably be a new boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that she says, I, I, I you know, I wanted you. I, I think you could lead that would lead you to believe that. Uh, so why doesn't she know, ever this, get together with Kramer? Maybe she does just off camera. OK. And then it also doesn't work out. Right. All right. So we see Elaine at the uh, adoption agency and she's talking with the guy and tell me about uh, Beth and Arnie. And Elaine tells kind of this crazy story, which ends up meandering into that. Arnie tells Elaine, uh, would you shut up? He barely even knew me. And uh, did you buy that Elaine would tell the story? Yes, I think that Elaine, it's it's not that she was sabotaging him. Or that she would think that this would portray Arnie in a positive light. Mm-hmm. Elaine and the rest of the core four are so self, uh, you know, involved that they only care like about getting something off their chest. They don't care about like, oh, would this make him look good or bad? I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is odd that uh, how this ends up going. I also like that she talks about how they went to see the movie Striptease. Yeah, I like how uncomfortable it made the nerdy guy. Yeah. Keith, uh, have you ever seen that movie? No. no never? Never. I mean, I'm, I, I wasn't a big, like, Demi Moore guy ever. And, you know, I think that paid off when she married Ashton Kutcher. I feel like I was vindicated. Oh, you know, I got that confused with Showgirls, uh, which was sort of like, Striptease, I think yeah. it was like the classier version of Showgirls. No, I think it was, it was like maybe classier, but also sort of like less, it was, it was like the knockoff. It was, 
It was like the um, deep impact to the to the to the showgirls Armageddon. Yeah, but I feel like that, that well, striptease. You have the the uh, A list uh, Demi Moore, where you have uh, the star of Showgirls is um, Jesse Spano. Right, but Demi Moore was like a joke back then. Like she, what was that movie she did? Oh, GI Jane. Also, like she was doing like really campy nonsense. No, I don't, can't imagine that she was a joke at the time she did. Striptease. She wasn't a joke. She was much more famous than Elizabeth Berkeley. But I, but you know, I mean, in which one do you think made more money? She's a she's a joke, Demi Moore. I mean, why'd she do GI Jane? Maybe she had the worst agent in the history of Hollywood. I don't what know. What year is GI Jane? Uh, Ninety seven. Uh, yeah. Is that bad? GI Jane was a bad movie. I think it was. I think it was like universally 55 reviled. Fifty five on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. I mean, I, mean, I guess Ridley Scott made it. News to me so- that uh, GI Jane was like uh, some joke of a movie. I thought it was a joke. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I never saw it. I remember seeing like uh, like trailers for it and thing like, like, wow, that's like pathetic. But now maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, so also, uh, I, 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 I took a shot at Ashton Kutcher, but I, I've kind of grown on him. I, I don't hate him anymore. Yeah. So I apologize. Yeah, Ashton. I think that this is like primetime Demi Moore. Uh, she does Ghost. And then after that, uh, she's got Indecent Proposal, Few Good Men. Um, she does uh, yeah, Striptease in 96. Uh, G.I. Jane in uh, 97. And then she sort of, and, and then around like t- 2003 when she shows back up in like Charlie's Angels full throttle. Like she's like goes away for like seven years. Showgirls actually has a higher uh, IMDb than striptease was, is the saddest sentence I've ever said out loud. <laughs> yeah, well, Showgirls I think has like uh, a sort of like nostalgic uh, cult following. Like I think people yes. fondly think of strip t- of uh, Showgirls, not striptease. Right, striptease has sort of been forgotten. Yes. Although striptease made about 30 million and Showgirls made about 20. Right, right. Uh, uh, just really the star power, the behind uh, Demi. Um, <laughs> but they I, saved ten million in in the Berkeley versus Demi yeah. Moore. So I don't think Berkeley. I ever watched it. I think that I probably saw some of like the naked scenes on HBO at some point. Yeah, you know, I was never a, a Jesse Spano guy, so it, uh, even Showgirls didn't didn't interest me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I think that I, I wasn't in- Showgirls was more tongue in cheek than Striptease. I think Striptease like was very sure. serious movie. Yeah, but I, I would, I you know, I had no interest in like if it was. If that movie had, you know, Kelly Kapowski, Kelly Kapowski yeah. it, then we're then we're talking. <laughs> Even Lisa Turtle, like that, you know, or or Miss Bliss, I would have been more interested in than Jesse Spanner. Okay, all right. So we see George and Jerry, and uh, <laughs> we see Jerry in the dentist chair at Tim Watley's, and George comes in. This is a very funny runner in the episode where George just happens to know where Jerry is and just shows up to just like start having a conversation when he's not at his apartment. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of explanation also when Jerry and Elaine together, like their sort of subplot here is like he's telling them what's going on. But there's a lot of rehashing what's already happened in this episode. Yeah. And so George comes in and he loves yada yada and it's uh, he's using it everywhere and he starts playing with the toys and uh, Jerry stops. Are you surprised that Jerry goes back to Tim Watley after the last incident with Tim Watley? Yeah, Johnny DeSilvera or Craig, one of those guys wrote in, someone from Vancouver wrote in and said... Uh, like, does he forget that Tim Watley, like, literally molested him a couple seasons ago? Like, or he at least he thinks so, and he has reason to believe so. Is is it that hard to find a dentist? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, maybe he gets him, like, some kind of, like, discount. Watley, what, like, big fellow Jew? Like, Jew to Jew <laughs> discount? Well, I don't know what the <laughs> discount is, but, I mean, why would he risk? Or maybe was there some explanation to why his shirt ended up untucked? Yeah, maybe, maybe, like, with time, we sort of, like, black out that sort of thing. Maybe, like, uh, he's like, nah, that couldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there was a good explanation of, like, uh, your right. shirt I mean, button got yeah. caught on the hose. Unless you have evidence, you almost have to assume. 
I'm like, maybe I'm I'm probably crazy for assuming that like the doctor, the dentist took me out with his assistant so they could like molest. Me. Right, right. That uh, you know Tim Watley was there with his uh, with his uh, attractive hygienist, and they needed to uh, get my pants off for some reason. Right, right. Like, oh, like how big of an, how big of an ego do you have that they would even be interested? <laughs> right. Right. Anyway, uh, so here comes Tim Watley and George is asking him a question. Is it normal for your noises, uh, for your teeth to make noises like a, a hiss or a chirp? Uh, Keith, is this a thing? I, I mean, I think if you were if your teeth are making noises, then you should probably go to a, you know, a doctor, a, a dentist, like, a, you know, someone better than Watley. <laughs> OK, <laughs> he's like, fine, I'll make an appointment. All right. Uh, so Tim Watley has a joke about the one about the rabbi and the farmer's daughter. Yeah, but we don't know the punchline to that joke. I'm s- kind of still waiting on it 20 years later. Well, we know the punchline. We know that he kind of yada yada the middle of the joke where. Oh, the, right. We don't know the joke. You're right. We yeah, don't know. the Those joke aren't matzo balls. Yeah, I, I actually like. I don't know how to get there from <laughs> me neither. <laughs> like I, I know how like that makes sense, but I don't know how the joke would ever would would have a middle there. Yes, I mean, uh, was the uh, rabbi blind, and then uh, like he needed help like getting his keys, and he asked uh, <laughs> the. I'm trying to figure out of like how we get to the middle part of the joke. Yeah, maybe we'll. You think uh, Cranston? We could get him on the on the phone. <laughs> yes. Ask him. Yes. One question for Cranston. <laughs> yeah, Maybe like if the better soul cult, if the better cult soul podcast gets a monk, we like throw in a question about the uh, yes, we'll ask about him a the farmer's daughter joke. A crossover. And, and like, and speaking of your hairline, Mister Cranston, mm-hmm. what's going uh, here's on? A, here's a before and after picture of 1997 to 2017. Yeah, uh, I guess you have the Heisenberg era also in there. I have a question also. the The idea of telling jokes. Have we moved past this as a society? Hmm. You could tell like it's something jokes. that our like grandparents did, right, or our dads did. But like, I nobody tells jokes anymore. And like, your view of comedy was joke telling, but no comedian just says like a rabbi, a priest, or whatever. You know, that would be insane if like a comic did that one time. Yeah. Well, you would do it like uh, ironically, and it'd be like uh, you know a rabbi, a priest. And, uh, you know, a construction worker. By the way, what if, like, Louis C.K. or, like, some real, like, trendy comic, like, took that back now? Like, he just told, like, jokes with old premises but had a new spin on it. Well, I just think that that's, like, sort of been done. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, the, you know, Stephen Wright, like, uh, ironic comedians, like, uh, and, like, the punchline is something like, uh, and uh, my father never loved me. Like, or, you know, something right, like right. it's like a setup to something that's like a, a like a left turn. Right. But I, I do think that the era of the joke might be over. Yeah. I, I think it's it's really it's a thing for kids, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids love jokes. If you tell your kids a joke, if like you make it seem funny, they will laugh at it. Right. <laughs> like drop wide the chicken across the road to your sons tomorrow. They'll, oh, they'll I get have. I have. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't even they get it, funny. but they just know it's supposed no, to be No, but funny. they think they have to laugh, so they'll crack up. <laughs> okay. So uh, Jerry calls out Tim Watley on these. Uh, Should you be making these jokes? Uh, and Tim Watley says, why not? I'm Jewish. Right. I like that when he says our sense of humor sustained us for 3,000 years. And Jerry's like, it's 5,000. Yeah, even better. Even better. Uh, give me a, uh, a shtickle of fluoride, he also asks. Uh, Keith- yeah, if you think that Schwitz can't, can't be in there, then I, mean, I guess shtickle, like, you know, it's just going to be an amount. Like, you don't have to know that shtickle means like a little bit. Right. Uh, shtickle is definitely a less known, lesser known word than Schwitz. Yes, but I think the context here is that. Yeah, it's so clear. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because you're establishing the fact that he's making these, uh, these Jewish jokes. Um, 
and uh, Keeve, that uh, are you offended by anything that Tim Watley does here in this episode? No, I don't think so. You know, we there is really a first of all, there's no concept where like there's a grooming period. Like you, if you want to convert to Judaism, the, the, Judaism is a religion that doesn't actively recruit people, right? And it's hard to convert. Depends on the the track, but it, either way, you know, in any track, it's pretty hard to convert. But once you convert, like that day, you're on the team and you're not supposed to, uh, like, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to, you're like, you're supposed to go out of your way and, like, make the person feel like they're a member of the team. You're not supposed to, you know, like, hey, you remind them that they're a convert. You're not even allowed to say it. Right. Um, so, the, you know, it, so I, I'm not offended by anything Watley says, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, what, what uh, Deborah Messing says at the end. Yes. So that you would think that for the most part, people would just be, you know, you're so excited that you are joining your yeah, team. Yeah, I think it would, it's like almost charming. Like he's excited to be Jewish. Like, you know, it's that, that's like funny. Yeah. So it's, so he's pledging your team that he's allowed to welcome aboard. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think like from a neutral observer, I could see like, hey, you, you know, give yourself six months, you know, some sort of waiting period. I would get that. But I don't think Jerry should be the guy to say that. Mm hmm. Okay. But again, Jerry's not offended as a Jewish person. He's offended as a comedian, right? It's much different. Yeah. Keeve, uh, I'm just interested to know, and it's always, uh, I, I think, interesting to look at these things, you know, 20 years later. Uh, if this happened in 2017, is Tim Watley able to get away with this uh, more or less? I think the same. I'm, I'm trying to think of anything he wouldn't be able to say. I think the line at the end, I wonder if you can... I, like, I wonder if they change that for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the Deborah Messing line. But I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything here that you could, that you can't get away with now. It's a good question. But, I mean, you know, maybe, you know, if it was on the show like Always Sunny, they would probably do worse than this. Right. Uh, I, I do think it's an interesting discussion to get into, like, when we talk about, like, uh, when we get into identity politics and then in terms of, like, at what point are you allowed to make jokes uh, because of uh, how you identify. So... Um, it's an interesting discussion that should be had by smarter people than you and I. Oh, yeah. Much smarter. Okay. Much, much smarter. <laughs> All right. So we go back to uh, Jerry and Elaine. And uh, Jerry, again, is uh, still uh, upset about how Watley converted to Judaism for the jokes. Uh, yeah, he really has a hang up on it. I, I, as a comedian, like, who cares if your dentist isn't funny? That's my question. Mm -hmm. And then speaking of a hang up, uh, Jerry gets another call. Uh, we've seen this a few times throughout the series. Telemarketer calls up. Would you be interested in a subscription to the New York Times? And he says yes. And he hangs up. I think... You could really get a pulse of what was going on in 1997 because this gets like the biggest standing ovation of the whole series. Yeah. You know, the, the idea that he hangs up the phone on a telemarketer. I guess this is like pre-cell phone era and telemarketers were like enemy number one in the country. Like things are growing, going great. It's 1997. Everyone who starts up any sort of company related to the Internet is like on paper a millionaire. And the country is in like the greatest probably, you know, like, uh, you know, boom period in, in the history of the country, and the only issue we have is people calling us on our phone at night, and we have to answer because we don't have call waiting. Like, we don't have a call ID. We don't know who's calling. Yeah. Was this uh, signaling trouble for the New York Times in 1997 that they needed to be soliciting for uh, subscriptions? I think they've just always done that. I think they, like, farm this out to, like, a fourth, <laughs> you know, like a friend of a friend of a friend. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't think it's, it's not like the editor-in-chief. Right, and with you, these so. telemarketers now, you're lucky if it's the New York Times calling you. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, do you still get telemarketer calls? Oh, I do, I do. That's on yourself. Like, there are some really good apps that will, like, tell you, like, 
oh, this this person has been like reported bad 80 times. Don't answer it. Oh, that's interesting. You don't have any of those apps? Uh, no, I don't. I, I need to get one. Yeah, you should download. There's a bunch of good ones. Okay. Um, I don't remember the name. All of right, them, send it they, to me after the show. Yeah, I mean, you should not. I First of all, I, I don't I feel bad like because a lot of times if I don't know a number, like on the class list for my daughter, she doesn't she doesn't answer her phone. So like it's my number. So I feel like if I'm not answering my phone, like she's missing a play date or something, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm being a bad dad. But if not for that, I would literally never answer my phone. Again, December, January, I had seven phone minutes the whole the whole month. Yeah, I was getting a bunch of them on the uh, the house phone that we have, uh, and uh, I changed the setting, and it was, it was a life changer. Yeah, do you still need a house phone? Uh, yeah, that there's uh, there's certain uh, things I, I have here that go that go through it. Uh, okay, because so. I was asking my parents like, why do you even need this house number anymore? Yeah, and I, I have a lousy cell phone reception here, so that's uh, yeah. that, that's part of the problem. Anyway, okay. so going back to uh, Kramer and Mickey come in, and they're still fighting over who's going to get who. Um, I, I, I mean, to me at this point, like, first of all, do you have a preference? To me, they're like very similar, and they both look nice, and I, I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the show doesn't help distinguish them at all. No, no. Which maybe is part of the joke. But like I have we have no rooting interest in Julie or Karen. Yeah. OK. So uh, I like the idea of why don't we just take their names and throw them into a hat? And Kramer says, uh, oh, I don't even know their names. Yeah. I mean, they clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I, what, here's the question. How weird and pathetic are these women that they agree to go on date number two with them? <laughs> Yeah, they have nothing else going on. Yeah, why is there a date number two? They acted insane at the first date. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, I guess maybe that uh, one of them really liked Kramer, the other one really liked Mickey, I guess. I guess. We just don't know who yet. Yeah. Anyway, so Kramer says something about, uh, you know, why don't you take the one on the left? And Mickey says, I don't know if she was my type. Oh, everybody's your type. Uh, you've been married three times. Now, is this even like a slam that makes sense? I think so. Yeah. You would say that to somebody? I mean, listen, again, a, a week later, or we don't know the timeline, maybe two days later, he's getting married in this episode to a woman whose name he didn't know a couple of days earlier. <laughs> so, like, I think Kramer's right. He will get married to anybody who's willing, it seems like. This is wedding number four for Mickey. Yeah. All right. And then uh, Kramer and Mickey are back to uh, going to blows. Yeah, I mean, I, th- so you like the it's go time throwback to uh, to the Mandelbaum? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Uh, that's intentional, right? You're probably hopefully not going to get into a fist fight again in your adult life. But yeah. if you do, I think you got to throw in it. It's go time. Okay. I, I will. I will. <laughs> All right. So if you ever like wrestling, like play wrestling with your kids or something. You got to like if you're when you're going to win, you got to say it's go it's time. Go time. And then uh, so they come up with this idea Elaine has of just get there early and see who they sit next to. I mean, it happens to be a really good idea. They're just incompetent and don't get there. early. <laughs> yeah. OK. All right. So uh, we see George uh, back with Marcy at Monk's. Uh, George is talking about Susan and Marcy asks what happened with Susan. Now, it's interesting that George uh, yada yada is the Susan's death story when wasn't it earlier this season when Jerry like did the uh, focus group testing of how well that story tested with prospective date? Yeah. So I think even though it does help him, I think the reason he's not doing it here and in hindsight, had he said it. It would have emboldened Marcy because she would have assumed he murdered her, probably because Marcy's crazy. Yeah. So then she would have been like, "Oh, he's like one of me," and then he it would right. have like. Uh, even I get it. Her. He's covering up that he was the person that killed her. Right. <laughs> but but all I think it's just like two can play the same game. Like I'm not giving you anything if you're not giving me anything. It's all yada yadas for you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this is where Marcy drops a very important piece of news on George. Uh, speaking of exes, 
my old boyfriend came over late last night and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I'm really tired today. Yeah, which I guess in hindsight, you're probably right. <laughs> Definitely There's right. no second explanation. But why would yeah, she right. even uh, tell this story, though? Why would she? It's not uh, like George why? was like, hey, so I heard you're again. She doesn't have any self-awareness, but she has enough self-awareness to yada yada the sex. Yeah, but that's like obvious. You know, I, I just think I don't know. Did the first part trying to get inside out? the mind of a crazy person? <laughs> right. And I think that's probably a doomed, you know, operation. OK. Uh, Elaine meets Beth and Arnie on the street. Uh, adoption agency said no baby for Beth and Arnie for you. Listen, I feel like if you're a doctor, that definitely helps you in the adoption game, no? Mm, yeah, I think like so. Like, Beth was starting on third base here. Yeah, well, they got caught, picked off third. That's right. Elaine says, I just told them you were nice people and yada, 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 that's it. And it's so unrealistic, they're like, how come, you know, tell me what the yada, yada, yada was later. Because they're not in the yada, yada, yada universe. They don't know yeah. that people are yada, yada, yada over the good stuff. They wouldn't think of that. Okay, so Jerry runs into Father Curtis in uh, the, wait- the waiting room. And uh, Father Curtis is uh, waiting to go in. And uh, we see uh, uh, Tim Watley call Father Curtis in and says to him, hey, did you hear the one about the Pope and Raquel Welch on the lifeboat? Um, yeah, I mean, so we do get the answer to this joke. So I think, you know, here I th- it's pretty clear there's there's not much of a middle. Yes, we can so see where we're going. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we go back to Kramer and Mickey and uh, we see that they've gotten to the restaurant and the women are already there. They end up in just like a huge fist fight, almost nearly like pulling the table down in the restaurant. How do they get a third date after this? It's insane. I mean, these women really must be into Kramer and Mick. I guess they have such an interesting dynamic that it's like, oh, you know, we're weird. They're weird. We met at the Gap. Let's just keep dating them. They are interesting. Like, if you're looking for, you know, uh, you know, people who maybe you'll, you know, you'll have a good time with, then you can't really beat Kramer and Mickey. I got to go back to the Raquel Welch thing for a second. Yes. Okay. Well, Raquel let's go to the next scene because that's the, the, <laughs> that uh, we pick up with that. So Jerry okay. is uh, talking to Elaine about the jokes, and uh, he says that Tim Watley says he can make the Catholic jokes, too, because he used to be Catholic. Um, I mean, I, I, does the used to thing? I don't know. Like, do, do the used to people count? You know, do, uh, are they okay with it? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the uh, the used to. Uh, um, I think that maybe uh, could we book uh, Rachel Dolezal on the podcast? I mean, we could. Do we want? You wouldn't let me book um, Shkreli. <laughs> We're gonna have Dolezal now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Maybe she could answer some of these questions. I mean, she might be able to, but, you know, people who used to be on a team, I mean, like, you know, used to be part of something. We could just ask any Catholic person, like, if you stop being Catholic, can you make Catholic jokes, though? Yeah. Does it work with, like, sports teams? Like, uh, like could uh, Brandon Marshall make Jets jokes now that he's on the Giants? Well, I mean, you better be able to make Jets jokes. <laughs> but that's a good question. I think I think you can. I think if you're on the team for more than one year, you can make the jokes. That's okay. the rule. Okay. All right. So I guess then, then uh, that confirms it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So talk about Raquel Welch. Okay. So I think she's like 50 when this episode airs, right? She's got to be older than that. Yeah. She's like still the embodiment of like, that's our ideal hot woman. So my question is like, who would be the the Raquel Welch in this joke now? Because you couldn't Hmm. say Raquel Welch. Nobody would know who that is. So Raquel Welch is uh, born, according to uh, Dogpile, at uh, September 5th, 1940, which would make her uh, just... uh, 56 years old at the uh, airing of this episode. Okay, so let's be fair and say that, uh, you know, like, she. this is sort of, she's getting the Hall of Fame vote here. She's not actually, 
um, you know, like the number one most like lusted after one. So I'm asking who in 2017 would be the best version of that joke. Okay, so we're looking for basically uh, like Pamela Anderson. Yes, who was the, right, at one point, probably very soon after this episode, probably Pamela Anderson could have been it in this episode. By the way, dogpile still works, so I think uh, like going forward in the show, if we ever have to Google something, we dogpile it, okay? Okay, fair enough. Um, okay. So I, Pamela Anderson <laughs> no, uh, in the 90s. I'm saying Pamela Anderson now. Could use Pamela no, because I because I don't think the millennials are, are following. Oh, the they, don't, they don't know who she. But did the millennials in nineteen ninety seven know who Raquel Welch was? Probably not. Um, like, did you I know Raquel a, Welch when you were watching this episode? I mean, I could probably intuit, but I, she was kind of famous. I might not have known. Like, I might not have been familiar with her work, but I, I had probably heard. of you her. You knew the name. You knew the, the yeah. Uh, knew the name. I mean, uh, who uh, could you top Pam Anderson? Well, you know, I, by the way, this is such like a Bill Simmons column to like go back and be like, who was that Raquel Welch every single year? Like, you know, 1998 through 2000, Britney Spears. Britney Spears definitely takes the crown at some point pretty soon after this, a couple years after this. It, it what, in um, like 2030? No, 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 like the, the current one, not the 56-year-old version of it. Like, who was the, who was like, who would, you know, who was sort of like the it girl type thing? Bro, what are you talking about? Britney Spears is the it girl now? No, I'm saying a couple years after this episode, Britney Spears. Yeah, but Raquel Welch girl, is so. 56 years old at the That's time. That's what I'm saying. That's joke. why it's such a crazy joke, and it should this joke should be Pam Anderson and not Raquel Welch in 19. It should be Pam Anderson now. But am I saying I'm saying that millennials don't get it? Who? My, my question is, who would be better than Pam Anderson or Raquel Welch in 2017? Who's the best? If we're workshopping this joke in a writers' room all day. Is the yeah. best you're giving me Pam Anderson? So you're saying that who is the is the it person right now? Yeah, who is the funniest version of the joke? Mean, basically meaning, like, you're immediately going to get it. Yeah. Well, but in 1997, Raquel Welch wasn't the best person. For I know. I'm saying it's a bad joke. It doesn't make it like it shouldn't be Raquel Welch. It's a bunch of old men writing this joke. They shouldn't be writing Raquel Welch. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who is the... Uh... So write, write in with who you think. I mean, like, Jennifer Lawrence? I don't know if she has, like, that much... I, you know who? I think it's Kim Kardashian. I think that's who it is now. If if you were going to make this joke, I, I guess so. I don't want to talk about this joke anymore. <laughs> Rob's mad. Uh, I'm not mad. Ooh, that uh, it was too much time on a on a, uh, a dumb joke, and okay. uh, those aren't buoyed. <laughs> no, no, so you, Kim not. Kardashian. Elaine is cracking up. She thinks it's so funny. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's an okay joke, but it's like uh, you know, it just comes out of left field, especially if you don't hear the middle. It's yeah. Funny. Uh, but she thinks it's more of a Raquel Welch joke. Uh, that this is a Raquel Welch's dumb joke. I mean, no, I said hand I, me the. Is she was she dumb? I don't know anything about her, so I don't know if she was dumb. Is the joke Raquel Welch is a? Uh, you know, are we slut shaming Raquel Welch with this joke? I mean, in 1987, slut shaming wasn't a thing. You were allowed to slut shame, so I think that's fine. Okay, okay. I don't know what Raquel Welch's reputation was outside of her film career. I, I mean, I didn't even know her reputation in her film career. I'm not familiar <laughs> with her body of work. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Jerry's upset, uh, total joke telling immunity. Uh, he's got the two religions. Uh, Jerry talks about what would happen if he got Polish citizenship. Nobody could stop him. Um, the, yeah, the, I mean, it's funny that he's just like going after the, you know, the interesting thing. Yeah. Right. I guess between like they make the, the, the sort of minorities or, or people, you know, sort of groups of people mentioned in this episode who get made fun of. It's like, you can convert to Judaism unless you're Rachel Dolezal. You can't just become African-American. <laughs> And, you know, I guess you could become Polish, but, like, you can't just move to Poland, I don't think, and become a Polish citizen. I don't know. I don't know how Polish citizenship works, but that's, like, the only thing where you could sort of become the group and mm -hmm. then make the joke. I guess that's why it's funny. Yeah. Okay. 
So uh, we then get to see Jerry talk about how he's going to tell Father Curtis about what's going on with the Pope and Raquel Welch. Uh, so Elaine calls up Beth and Arnie. Uh, is Julie Louis Dreyfus is she pregnant at this time? I noticed that she's like covering. Uh, Are they trying to hide it? I didn't notice now, I and mean, we definitely noticed it last time. I, you know, well, let's look for it again. I, next I lose, week. I, I lose track. Is. But I mean, that almost every single time you see Elaine in this episode, there's like something like, uh, like covering her stomach. Like she has like yeah, a magazine. I don't even, she has yeah. the phone. I barely recognize when my wife is pregnant. So yeah, not, I'm not the guy to ask. Okay, um, not that I'm saying that I, she looked uh, out of the ordinary to me, but it looked like that they were like uh, physically trying to uh, block her all throughout the episode. We'll look again next. Yeah, week. I didn't notice it, but but it's certainly possible. Okay. Anyway, so uh, we see Elaine calling up on the phone, and uh, she's going to take uh, Beth and Arnie to lunch. Uh, yeah, that'll get you know you you get someone you cost someone a baby you take them out to lunch it's basically even Steven basically even okay so here we go uh, let's talk uh, iconic moments uh, George comes in and he says the story about how Marcy said her ex boyfriend came over late last night and yada 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 she's really tired today do you think that she would yada yada sex uh, and then right and Elaine says her famous line which is I've yada yada sex she yada yada sex really yes she met a lawyer they went out to dinner she had the lobster bisque. They went back to her place, yada, yada, yada. She never heard from him again. Right. And then and then the real, probably even the, like the most famous part of it is when he says, but yada, yada, the best part. And she says, no, I mentioned the bisque. Mentioned the bisque. Uh, is bisque, is that any sort of aphrodisiac, Keeve? I don't know. First of all, lobster bisque. I don't, can't have lobster. So I don't know if there's, are there bisques that aren't lobster? Because I, I don't know if I've ever had a bisque. So it, I'm really... I don't really think that aphrodisiacs or bisques, so I'm the wrong guy to ask you. I mean, a lobster bisque seems like the worst date food you could imagine. Well, I don't even know what it is. Is it lobster soup? Yeah, it's like a creamy tomato soup with lobster in it. I mean, um, that, that you go from that to sex? I mean, listen, he paid for a fancy meal. I guess she threw him a bone. It's not that fancy. And first off, we've established bisque is not a meal. Yeah, I mean, but that's just the part to your members. Maybe she got like a steak, but it wasn't good. I don't know. Can you, is bisque is just like a regular like soup thing? Like you'd order lobster bisque and then an entree? Uh, I'm not sure. It is a creamy soup. Uh, it's yeah. not a thin soup. Uh, did you have bisque anywhere in your top 30 soup rankings? No, because I don't think there are any bisques besides lobster bisque. There like, has to be other bisques. I mean, if you know of a bisque that I could make that doesn't have, you I'm going to dogpile uh, it real shellfish. quick. Shellfish. Yeah, okay. dogpile bisques. Okay. What are like top 10 bisques? Yeah, so crab bisque, but I think you can have a, a chicken bisque. Okay. Maybe I'll ask my wife. I mean, if I ask my wife to make chicken bisque, it's not happening. Let's be honest. Yeah. I should have asked her four kids ago. It's not happening now. I'm not getting any bisque. Okay. Ask your wife uh, about a chicken bisque and uh, yada, yada, yada. Let's see uh, when the fifth kid is on the way. Yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> and there'll be four kids in her if I ask her to make me a chicken bisque. I'll, I'll be out of the picture. Why will she Why will she disown you if you ask for well, she doesn't bisque? like. She doesn't like when I ask uh, for food. Isn't that? I thought that's all you do she says it's literally all i do i come out three times a day and ask her to make me food and she said it's a big like turn off and and it really bothers her and that i should never ask for food but if i don't ask it's 50 50 whether i eat and i don't know how to cook for myself of course so it's a problem yeah uh, i'm basically like an eight-year-old who's <laughs> just like a grown-up with fortune i i only ask my wife every single day what we're having for dinner just so she doesn't forget to not make dinner. I actually, yeah, I, that's I, why I, I, I don't I, by care. Way, I don't even want it then. If my wife says I'm really busy, wait three hours, that's fine. But she, she doesn't, 
She doesn't like me asking. And if I ask what she's making, it infuriates her. She goes like over the top and then it's right. like, just go away. Go back in your room. Right. I only am just trying to prevent my wife just like opening my door at 430 and just yelling like, I don't know what we're doing for dinner. Just order something. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Sounds like we're married to the same person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my, last night, my wife had the audacity, just like, yeah, I'm, uh, me and the boys, we're go, we're going out to to dinner. While I was, uh, you know, slaving away up here, Keith. Wait, did they get? Did they bring you back something? No, they like went out to like a restaurant and got dinner and didn't get you anything. That's cor- that is correct. That's correct. I, that's I, a I ban- that's eat- a bananas move, Rob. That's crazy. I, I had to eat before uh, that they were going to uh, be back. Wait, what I, time I, of day is this? This is like at four thirty. And you had eaten dinner already. I, I had to do the patron cast. So I saw it was an early night. So you did a three hour uh, podcast. Yeah, and you eat dinner before at four. Why can't you just eat dinner at seven thirty? Uh, well, I, I was I it was I was on it until like after eight, and then I want to go to bed. I don't want to like eat. Dinner at you like, go to uh, bed at eight. I go to bed. I, I'll go to bed at like nine thirty. Oh, I didn't know. I know you wake up. You can tell when you wake up because you start like retweeting and favoriting stuff. But yeah. like, you wake up usually like five oh five or something. Yeah. But but that's great. First of all, I didn't know you're an early sleeper. I assumed you were up till like ten thirty eleven. No, that's a no, weird move, that's first it, of all. nothing good happening after a certain time. All right, of day. Grandpa. And what about like when the Mets are on or something? Although I guess you're West, West Coast. Coast. I live on the West Coast. Um, is how I moved out there. <laughs> it's not. But there's bad. a lot of games that. No, that's not bad. But this is this is a new development. You eat dinner at four thirty. This is the oldest thing you've ever said to me. It's not my choice. That's when my wife. Uh, that that again. I ate dinner at four thirty yesterday because I had a thing to do at five o'clock. Um, uh, let's see if the other married people agree with me. My we wife can, can makes dinner this. at four o'clock because uh, she says mm. that that's when the boys want to eat. Right, right. My kids want to eat at four too. My wife dinner makes dinner at seven. Um, the no, I'm kidding. The the um, let the married people write in. Is it? No, like if if your spouse is taking your children out and you're at work or you're at home and you work from home or you're just unable to go, should they bring you something home? Like, would you have wanted her to bring you something if, home or no? No, because this this uh, this, you know, random Tuesday night dinner is already, uh, you know, getting ridiculously expensive. And now I, I don't want to add. Oh, OK, another, so they didn't go out for pizza. Know, I'll, I'll I'll eat whatever's here. Well, but well, hold on. When she's taking the kids out. This is also like a big discussion now that I have more kids. Like, if you're, what type of restaurant did you take them out? She to? took them to a pizza place. Okay, so pizza's usually cheap. But she didn't have pizza. She had a salad ah, so, at the pizza right. place. Right. You have anything other than pizza, it's like five times the price. Pizza's right. the only. And yada, 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 this morning, my son was throwing up. But so it was bad pizza. You may have dodged the bullet, Rob, by I, not going I may to have dodged. Store. I may have dodged the bullet, but now I'm like, and we paid for this pizza he doesn't even digest mm. it <laughs> yeah i know you should get you call, call up get your money back right but i was i was also going to ask and i don't know how old your younger one is but like now we have a question because we have all these kids that are like getting older like when you go to a restaurant someone take you know family member comes to our house they like take us out to eat like who like the 11 year old gets a meal does the eight-year-old get like a full meal does the, what does the three-year-old get? Like, they want it. They, do they just eat off your plate? Uh, it depends how hungry they are. They're good eaters. Yeah, right? and then it's like, now we're like five people all ordering entrees. Forget and like, it. they thought they were getting two, you know? Yeah. It, it adds up. Um, all right, well. Don't have kids. That's what we're trying to tell <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Maybe like don't get married or have kids, and then you will probably be the happiest person you know. Uh, following, I mentioned the bisque. Uh, George says, uh, "Well, I got to do something," and he goes and he slams the bathroom door. And Kramer walks in and he says, "Well, 
I got to do something. And I thought it was a very funny joke that Jerry says, uh, oh, George is already in there. Yeah. A funny, like, sort of, uh, listen, a lot of bathroom humor. Yeah, this but there's a lot of, like, little cute things uh, in the uh, the script in this episode. That, like, there's really not a lot of wasted words. Like, there's a couple, like, tiny things that don't go anywhere. Yeah. But there's just so many more, like, JPM's jokes per minute. This might this episode might be number one. It's really good. And like the bisque. And so uh, Kramer can't figure out which one he's going to go for. Uh, Julie or Karen, the one he thought was Karen. Karen was Julie, and uh, he's distraught. I mean, they're both they both seem good, honestly, at this point. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine with either of them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and finally, uh, yeah, he can't work with Mickey. He's got to he's got to figure something out. All right. So George is back at Monks uh, with Marcy, and uh, he's trying to get to the bottom of this uh, yada yada. And so um, sh- she goes on to explain he's moving to Seattle. We wanted to say goodbye. I was just getting out of the shower and yada, yada. Um, and uh, she is going to go into the uh, a different story. Tell me about the facial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is much worse probably than that story. <laughs> yes. Uh, she was on Third Avenue. She went to a department store. She stole the watch. And then she was on such a high, she went to the salon and got a massage and a facial and skipped out on the bill. I, skipping out on the bill. I mean, that's not, you know, it's, that's not stealing a Piaget watch, but it's pretty bad. Yeah. All right. So she says, okay, well, what about you? What about that fiance story? Yeah, he still doesn't get it. She doesn't get it out of him. Yeah. Now, uh, so what do you think? Do you think that George has like a moment of reflection of like, I'm no worse than her? Yeah. Like, oh, this is the first time I've ever actually been better than anybody. Yeah. Okay. So... Jerry goes to the church. This is very funny, this whole uh, this whole scene. Uh, so he goes to find the nun. He calls her mother. Uh, she corrects him, sister. And Jerry goes into the confessional booth. And, you know, it's very funny. He sits on the floor and uh, he has this exchange uh, with the father. And uh, Jerry says to him, uh, you know, I should tell you that I'm Jewish. And, and the priest says, oh, well, that's not a sin, uh, which is uh, ends up being a funny moment. And he starts uh, going there to snitch on Tim Watley. Yeah, like the level of snitching and like confidentiality here. It's a little confusing as to like who should be telling who what. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to confess your own sins, uh, not right, confess right. other people's. That's right. He's just tattletaling. Yes. So I like that Jerry sets up the whole thing about what Tim Watley is doing. And I like that the priest says, uh, and this offends you as a Jewish person. And Jerry says, no, it offends me as a comedian. <laughs> yeah. There's really like 30 classic lines in this episode, and that's one of them. Yeah. And so he starts telling the priest the joke about Pope and uh, Raquel Welch in a lifeboat. And uh, the priest wants to hear the joke. Yeah, he, he wants to hear about the buoys. Yes. Uh, and uh, he says, uh, those aren't buoys. And the priest is like losing it. Yeah, he really, he's got a good laugh for this priest. Yes, except he doesn't like Jerry's joke about what's the difference between a dentist and a sadist. Yeah, I don't know why that's such a turnoff, Tim. I guess he does, like, it's just making fun of, like, if, if the Pope is on limits, why are dentists off limits? I'm not sure. I think that the priest just loves Tim Watley. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Watley can do no harm. Maybe, like, Tim Watley has been his dentist for, like, 30 years. Oh, what a nice boy, Tim Watley. And now uh, Jerry is talking smack about the beloved Tim Watley. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay. All right. So Kramer goes to go visit Karen uh, and he goes and sees that her parents are there and they are little people. The parent. Yes. Big surprise. Kramer presumes that she wants to be with Mickey. I guess you uh, women are looking for somebody who's like their father or the opposite of their father. One or the other. Right. Okay. Uh, So uh, we go back to Arnie is with Elaine. 
and uh, he wants to know what happened. What was the yada yada? Yeah, I feel like you should leave uh, well enough alone here, but, you know, there would be no show if people did that. Yes. Okay. And uh, he's asking her, and she's, got, like, sort of meandering, and he's like, all right, shut up. He's, yeah, I, you know, he's very aggressive here. He seems very mean. She yes. was totally right, obviously. Yeah, to, no, to they dodged a bullet with this baby. He would have uh, been a terrible parent, and they get divorced, like, two minutes later, so this would have <laughs> been, like, a child born into a broken home. Yeah, I like that he says to Elaine, just don't screw it up this time. Yeah, what a monster. Yeah. He's terrible. All right. So Jerry is getting worked on by uh, Tim Watley. What's going on here? Like, what what work does Jerry? We see that Jerry is brushing his teeth constantly, flossing constantly, owns every electric toothbrush there is. Why does Jerry need so much dental work? I think those are the people that get the dental work. It's like the people who... You know, they're like the most careful about germs, like the biggest germaphobes get sick a lot, they mm-hmm. say. Yeah. I, same thing. I think Jerry's like, he overbrushes. That's his problem. Oh, that might be it. He's doing too much damage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Father Curtis told me your jokes. Uh, and so uh, Tim Watley is very upset about all of this. And uh, that he is uh, calls him out on being a sadist with newer magazines. And uh, Tim Watley says, hey... Look, uh, you know, uh, you have no idea what my people have been through. Uh, right. And it's funny, because He says, your people, mm-hmm. the Jews. Yeah. No, the dentists, they have the highest suicide rate <laughs> of any profession. And Jerry, yeah. asks, I think that's like an old urban myth. Also, I, I don't believe they do. Is that why it's so hard to get an appointment? That's a good joke. But I, I don't think their suicide rates that high. I feel like actuaries have the highest. OK, they're going to say actors. No, actuaries. Yeah. What about podcasters? Um, <laughs> it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> okay so jerry ends up uh coming home and uh he ends up talking with kramer about uh his encounter with julie and her parents are little people so julie's parents are little people karen's parents are not that's the only thing we know about them right now that's, that's the only way we have that's all we know and so uh jerry talks about the tim watley thing and uh, he made a little joke, and uh, these people can be so touchy. Kramer is a staunch defender of the dentist. These people? Who are you calling these people? Yeah. Uh, you think the dentists are so different from me and you? They came to this country just like everybody else in search of a dream. Right. They're from New Jersey. Yes. Or Tim Wadley is, at least. Uh, Kramer yeah. is the first one to brand Jerry as an anti-dentite. Yeah. Which is probably true. He, he doesn't respect dentists. Yes. Kramer says, you're a rabid anti-dentite. It starts with a few jokes and some slurs. Hey, denty, next thing, you're saying they should have their own schools. Yeah, it's funny because when someone says anti-Semite, they always say rabid. It's always like, you're not like a huge anti-Semite. You're always a rabid anti-Semite. Yes. So like that's what they're basing off here, but it's pretty funny. Okay. Uh, All right. So we see back at the adoption agency. Elaine is uh, arguing why uh, they should get the baby. She, and she says, uh, and this, I had kind of forgotten about this, Keith. I was a little taken aback by it. Elaine says to the guy at the uh, adoption agency, look, we could do this the easy way or we can do this the fun way. Yeah, the fun way. Yeah. Yeah. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> no, never. Um Keeve, uh, was this out of character for Elaine to prostitute herself to get her friend a baby? It's a little bit, but it's like I'm covering up with my mistake with another mistake. That's kind of like classic Elaine or anybody in the gang. Um, Again, he's not like a monster, right? She's almost doing like a noble thing here, right? Yeah, in in that way, it's almost out of character that she would do this. Yeah, like like that she cares enough about somebody else. But it's like they're on my back. They keep asking me about the yada yadas. What did I say? I'm just, you know, I'm just going to take care of business here. Yeah. 
It's almost like, um, you know, if she would, it, it would be like less noble if she was like, look, like, uh, let's, you know, I just need this out of my hair. Just tell them that uh, I, I, I didn't say anything to you. And then, you know, uh, then, then we could do this the fun way. You know, the, the fact that she's trying to get them a baby. Right. I mean, yes, that's really selfless. You know, although she has established that this Arnie is a monster, so I don't really know what she's doing. But it is bizarre. Right, but maybe her loyalty is to Beth, not to Arnie. Yeah. Does she like this guy at all? No, because at the end no, of the episode... No, definitely not. I mean, she throws up at the idea of, like, she just was sleeping with him for fun, you know, at the wedding. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we go back to uh, Jerry with Beth. And uh, here comes Beth, and she's saying that, you know, Arnie... Uh, said that he met up with Elaine and yada, yada, yada. Right. What the yada, yada? Now, Keith, is it odd to you that Jerry would just completely throw Elaine under the bus for this Beth? No. Again, because, like, it's not, the concern isn't Elaine. The concern is just getting Beth. I mean, how great is Beth? I mean, that Jerry's going to completely throw away his entire friendship with Elaine and change out his entire life? I mean, Beth is making Elaine a sworn enemy. Uh, how could she do this to me? She broke up my marriage. Now Jerry's just never going to see Elaine again? Right. He's not going to be able to date Beth and see Elaine, but his relationships are short. I think ultimately it's the chase here, where he's been chasing Beth for a while. I don't know. When they Through go to the marriage. wedding, he's talking about how, hey, you getting any ideas, Beth? Yeah. <laughs> but listen, that's puppy love. I guess so. All right. Um, and she's like, why would Elaine do this? He's like, oh, she's a terrible person. Again, he, you, you know, there's a certain type of guy who'll say anything to get into a lady's pants. Yeah. Okay. And Jerry's that guy? Yeah. Sometimes. Not always. But he, I think he can, he can be that guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mickey comes in and Mickey has news. Uh, Karen and Mickey, so that's the answer to the trivia question, uh, are getting married. Yeah. If we do like Rob versus Kiva trivia at the end of the series, don't ask us the difference between Karen and Julie. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so uh, how many weddings? is that for you and uh only two uh mickey says she's a lightweight yeah i think at, at what point how many weddings is a person just like marriage is not for them is four the answer four i feel like that yeah after three is it three yeah my friend got had a second marriage and i said like it's okay that the first one didn't work out but if this one doesn't work out then you're like a, you're a different type of guy you're dating different women you know yeah three is a you're trend dating women who want it yeah, yeah three it's like it might be you yeah Okay. All right. So we go fast forward to one week later. Mickey's wedding. How about this, Keeve? I mean, the, I don't know the exact timeline of this episode, but it's pretty wild. They're getting married. It is pretty wild. Like I feel like that you either like get eloped like at that that night, or yeah. you plan a wedding in advance. A, a wedding a week from now is so weird. It is weird, and it's also like it's your third wedding. Like, do you even need to invite people to a church? I think is it's there a fourth. Do for we Mickey. know? Is there a ceremony? Is there like a party afterwards? Also, there might be a reception. Did they like plan? Uh, did they have time to plan a reception? If there's though? one thing we've learned in the Seinfeld universe, it's that there is an uncanny ability to throw together services uh, rapidly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Whether it's a funeral, uh, a wedding, and anything of the sort, you know, they could throw that yeah. together in an hour. You could speed up any timeline. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So um, Jerry comes in with Beth, and Elaine is there with the adoption agent. I mean, the like he's not like, the coolest guy in the world, but the idea of her throwing up at the thought of sleeping with him, it's like that's a slap in the face to that's like anti-ugly, right? Right. It's like a slap in the face to nerdy guys everywhere. But I mean, 
if this was any other episode and Elaine was dating this guy, they wouldn't even have to set it up like, oh, Elaine's dating a nerd. It, like, it was just like... Yeah, that might be his quirk. His quirk might be like he's a nerd. Maybe he's a little nerdy. I'm sure if we went back, we could find a nerdier boyfriend for Elaine than this guy. Yeah, but there's a lot more putties in there or like... There's a lot of like, you know, like preppy losers, but there aren't a lot of like, this guy's kind of a dweeb. Right. But I mean, for Elaine to be throwing up about the thought of having sex with this guy. Right. Yeah, I don't, he's, he's, not, not, he's not at that level. Right. Can you imagine like the, the you know, the actor sort of like, uh, uh, you know, call for this episode? Like, we're looking to cast an actor who, uh, you know, if Elaine Bennis had sex with him, she would want to vomit the next mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Sweet. I got that role. Okay. So uh, Jerry uh, asks George, who comes in, uh, where's Marcy? Uh, He says she went shopping for shoes, yada, yada, yada. He'll see her in six to eight months. First off, uh, what kind of sentencing happens this quickly? I know. Listen, maybe she just pled guilty. Yeah. Like it was an immediate... Like, all right, I'll do my I've been here before. I'll do my time and get out. And we talked about how George loves the conjugal visit sex, convict sex. Yeah. Oh, he might be having it, by the way. Yes. At least when this episode ends, you just she can't go to the wedding. Okay. All right. So we see uh, Kramer come in and he does not want to sit next to Jerry because he's an anti-dentite. Yeah. No, not not that type of person. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we also see Mickey's uh, parents come in. Is it weird that, like, for this one, like, did they have bigger plans for them, maybe? That they're just, like, calling in these heavy hitters for, like, literally 10 seconds of, of dialogue? Um, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here. Uh, now, I believe that Robert Wagner uh, is, uh, that that's his real-life wife, Jill St. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean he, just, he did a lot of infomercials, right, back then? Uh, Wasn't he in, like, a lot of commercials? He's in the first Austin Powers movie. Yeah, so I wonder if he was just free and they're like... Hey, we could get Rob Wagner and his wife. Maybe, like, his wife wanted to work, so he agreed to take this role so his wife could be in it. Maybe. Um, Like, I'll only show up if Jill could be my wife. Yeah, I'm not sure maybe if he was on the lot or if he was, like, a fan of the show and he wanted to be on it. I don't know exactly how Mm -hmm. they got him for this weird spot as uh, Mickey's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Jerry says hi to uh, Dr. Abbott, and he says, that's Dr. Abbott DDS. Tim Watley was one of my students, and if this wasn't my son's wedding day... I'd knock your teeth out, uh, you anti-dentite bastard. Well, where's Tim Watley? Why isn't he at the wedding? Yeah, I don't know. I know, I like, as the word really spread amongst all dentists in the city that, like, is Jerry now blacklisted from from dentists? Well, you know, in a small town like New York. Doctors. Yeah, that's true. Everyone knows. Everyone, all the, all the you know, four or five dentists know, like, who, who the bad Four out of five are. dentists agree that Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> is an anti-dentite. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And then Julie, Kramer's date, uh, runs away. She can't take this. Right, because she ostensibly wants to be the one marrying Mickey. Yeah. Uh, Jerry is talking to Beth. Beth wants to know what's going on. Uh, Beth says, uh, what do you call a doctor who fails out of med school? What? A dentist. A good one. Jerry really likes it. Uh, (laughs) And then she says, who needs them? Not to mention the blacks and the Jews. Yeah, and Jerry has like a good horrified reaction as as like fades. Freeze frame. And then uh, we end up with the tag at the end of the episode. Uh, Where's Beth? Uh, She went out to get her head shaved. Uh, Where is she really? Are we supposed to believe that um, she's like joined I, like the KKK now? No, I think he 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 said you got to go. Like I'm not going to be with a racist, and he broke up with her. Wow, that's left. heavy. Yeah, yeah, uh, good for Jerry. Okay, and then or maybe he just said I'm Jewish, and she said, oh, I can't be with you, and then she left. The priest he uh, has had his wisdom teeth out. Uh, he can't talk, so he yada yadas the wedding. Uh, Keeve, in any way, unless this is one of these movies that you haven't seen, is this reminiscent for you of the Princess Bride of the uh, the priest? 
who is uh, speaks with an affect. The princess what now? Princess Bride. Bride? No. No. Sorry. I, I guess we talked about this when we d- discussed uh, Deborah Messing's uh, previous fiance, Carrie Elwood. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, you got to see that. Uh, eventually. Yeah. All right. If there ever becomes like 30 hours in a day, I'll get to that. Right. Uh, and then we see Karen say to Kramer, I really wanted you. Yeah. So, right. I think that's like our, our sign, like. Oh, next time we see Mickey, he's not married. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, there we go, Keith. That was the yada yada. Yeah, that was fun. We did not yada yada much. Uh, well, we didn't yada yada. No, we went we went through it. Okay. It's a long. One. All right, Keith. Uh, let's talk about uh, the different parts of the episode. Uh, anti dentite for Jerry. <sighs> I mean, it's going to be hard not to give some high scores here. Yeah. I think anti dentite's a classic. It's an A. I think it's one of the best Jerry storylines that we've talked about uh, in a while. Uh, a for Jerry. Uh, George uh, with the yada yada. Also iconic. Uh, Elaine here. Now, her storyline with helping to adopt the baby is forgettable, but she is the person who owns the most iconic moment uh, from the episode. Right. I mentioned the bisque. Also, it's forgettable in the sense that people forget it's maybe like the D storyline in this episode, but it's still kind of funny. It's it, In a lot of episodes, it would be the best storyline. You know, it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I have to give her an A. Yeah. My only uh, grade I think that might not be an A here is Kramer and Mickey. I mean, to me, like the first time you see them fighting and running over the table, I know it's a little too slapsticky maybe for us, but it's pretty funny. I think it's kind of a forgettable storyline of Kramer and Mickey double dating about the same girl. I mean, if you would have told me last week and given me like four fake Kramer and Mickey storylines, I'm not sure I would have necessarily been able to remember that this was a real one. And it's a very one note story. I mean, they just I hear you. I'll give it I'll give it an A minus slash B plus. Yeah, I, I think I'll probably go more of a B or a B minus. I think it's the only okay. weak weak points in the episode of, uh, you know, Kramer and Mickey, you know, on the dates with the women. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just weak compared to maybe the other super strong story. OK. All right, Keeve. So the question is, did this crack the top nine for you, Keeve? I will say uh, what do you think? I, I will say uh I'll say no. I'll say it was uh, um, say 15. Mm, no, it's better than 15. It's in the top nine. Top nine. Top nine, baby. I mean, just such a funny episode. It's hard to argue that there's nine funnier episodes in this. Okay. All right. Well, we look forward to the reveal in only a few months of what Akiva's top nine Seinfeld episodes are baby all right let's get to the inbox uh seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com you could send us your emails uh all week long as we uh get you another seinfeld recap coming up next week and uh why don't we start off with johnny d silvera johnny d silvera says uh can we confirm if beth was at o'brien's rally back in season three in the limo oh you know that's a good callback she was she actually in the limo or is he making a joke um, um, no, I, I think, I, think uh, I don't think that she was in the limo, but uh, was she at the no, rally? In the episode, the limo. Sorry. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. She that may have been up her alley. She, she read the game. Um, also, Johnny DeSvera wants to know, how did George know to find Jerry in confessional? I did not uh, mention that, but that's another really funny, mo- like subtle. That's moment. really funny. Yeah. The crowd like goes wild when that happens. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really good. I think maybe if we had like a wider zoom, we'd see that George just follows Jerry around all day when he's got nothing to do. Yeah. I don't know what day of the week it was. I think the only answer is stalking. Because like we hate unrealistic scenes and that seems unrealistic and I don't think either of us hated it. It's just so it, – it's like so – you know, so amazing like the timing of it that he just like walks in again when he's in confessional. It's like, OK. Jerry's just like – George is such an ultimate come with guy that he comes with even Jerry doesn't know he's coming with. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. So then uh, why don't we go to our uh, next uh, one? Edward from Sydney, Australia. So he asked, did we notice in the opening scene in the bathroom that the audio had been recorded after the scene was shot, right? They weren't really moving their lips. Also, their backs are to them. Do you think they did it uh, so they could sort of test out different conversations, he asked? Hmm. It's a good question. Yeah. I think it's just probably too hard to shoot like in the bathroom. So they just recorded it separately. Um, I'd have to go back and watch it again. Uh, he also asked if there's a more dated line in the series than I got to get on that Internet. Yes. I think that kind of holds up well in like, a, oh, that's really like, you know. I mean, next week we're talking about like speed dial on on like rotary phones. Yeah, you know. I think every time they say, "Hey, I've got to call my machine and check my messages," I think that's the tie for first place. Yeah, at least like millennials know what the internet is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to read Millennial Max? Yeah. Speaking of millennials, so he ran into you at the airport last week, famously, and he was embarrassed to have not watched the episode. He'd been slagging on his email, so he didn't send us anything in, even after he ran into you. You didn't run into him on the way back, did you? No, no, I did not. And, like I, and I didn't run into him at the live know-it-alls either. So he was, but I thought you were, he was leaving New York when you were coming. I no, thought. we were both leaving Los Angeles, going to New oh, York. Oh, you ran into him at LAX yes. or, or Bob Hope. Yes, or, and know, we were both on different flights to New York. Ah, interesting. Okay. But uh, I guess he had better things to do. Apparently. Um, listen, he's a millennial. He's got, you know, he's got he's to work three jobs to make ends meet. <laughs> um, he says he won't miss a week going forward. He asks a question. This is the least millennial question I've ever heard, which is why I left it in. Okay. Is the whole plot with Karen and Julie, a play on Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Neither girl seems to know who's who and both do the same actions to achieve the same ends. What the hell? Max, do you think we know about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are <laughs> dead? Kevin doesn't even know about the Princess Bride. I mean, I know, I've heard of it, but Rose, like, I, I, Rosen, that's like a Broadway play. I bet it's like Neil Simon or somebody boring, but the, <laughs> I mean, come on. I don't, do you, do you like, are you familiar with the storyline no, of I'm Rosencrantz? Not. I'm not. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm sorry to say that, but like, that's a shocking question. Like Max is like 20, you know, like that's crazy. Right. Uh, let's go back to Lindsay who says, uh, do you have a desert Island book? I know Akiva's not a reader, but do you have a go-to book? First of all, what the hell, Lindsay? I was a high school English teacher. I'm not a reader. First of all, I read like thousands of words a day on Twitter. Yes. That's number that's one. one. Tens of thousands of words. Probably. Um, so I do read books. What are you talking about, Lindsay? Yeah. Do you have a desert Island book though, Rob? Uh, no, I can't imagine a book that I would read like multiple times, especially like on a desert Island. Yeah. I feel like there's been a, there are like books you've been pushing off and that would be like a funny time to read them. And like you still wouldn't want to read them even on a desert island. I, I can't think of one. Yeah, I bet a lot of people would say like the Bible, and then they like pray. To hey, get at off least the it's like long. The Bible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a really long book. You'll have a lot of time. And if you ever got off, you'd be like, oh, I know the whole Bible by heart. And they'd be like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it would not be bad. I feel like that that was like one of the perks of if I, if I was ever on Big Brother, I would read the Bible. I feel like that that would be a good time to knock that out. There's a lot of Bible reading on Big Brother. Yeah, because one, it's a good look. Um, like, mm-hmm. oh, Rob reads the Bible. Middle America probably eats that up for, like, the fan favorite. Yeah, part. and the people in the house probably eat it up. Yeah, that's true. He's like, oh, he's a religious guy. He's not going to Yeah, and you over. can knock it out, like, uh, you know, like at least one day you could say you read it. Yeah, and then you tell your parents, I read the Bible. Yeah. It wasn't a total waste of time. Um, all right. Then Lindsay also wants to know, is there any way Elaine could have recovered from the horrible start to the interview? Like, could she have said, just kidding, or something? How do you, right, that's a good question. Like, how do you work yourself out of, like, a terrible beginning to interview? I think it's, like, first impression, five minutes, they've already made up their mind. There's nothing you could do. Yeah. And then she also wants to know, isn't everyone kind of an anti-dentite? I think in the 90s, it was, like, popular to mock dentists. I think it's kind of cool now. Dentist is cool. It's like it's useful. Like, you know, I have friends who are dentists and like you can ask them questions if you ever have like a tooth issue. It's it's you you like when you realize when you're older, like you want your friends to have useful jobs. Like 
if they're, you know, if they're like a, a if they could work, you know, in your house, if they were a contractor, that's useful. They could like fix something or, or tell you to fix it. Mm. You don't want your friends to be like podcasters. What are they going to like? Uh, you know, my, you know, my fridge isn't, bur- is, is, isn't working, Rob. Can you like podcast my fridge to work better? Yeah, that's true. Um, and since everybody has a podcast, I mean, that kind of goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you want, you want like your friends to be doctors, lawyers, accountants, like very practical jobs. That helps. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Matt and Mass? Matt and Mass, uh, he also asked, have we ever gone on a double date and gotten so competitive that we tried to oh, yeah. your friend? This is your first episode, Matt. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> like a hundred times this happened. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I was on a double date. First, first of all, if I had a friend, forget double Rob, date. Rob, should we go on a double date? Maybe, maybe like in August, we're both in New York, we go on a double date. Right. Like I like I had a guy who was going to accompany me to go somewhere, let alone then two women also to join us. And like, is it, you know, it sounds like a nightmare also. Like, what if a double date? But it's like you both bring your kids to me. That sounds like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Who's bringing kids on double dates? That's what I'm saying. Like, now you have all these kids. It's like, are we really going to get a babysitter to like go out with these people who don't even like them? So now we're going to get like, uh, you know, we're just going to bring the kids. And you have to like, the worst thing in the world is other people's kids. You know that, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's like kids and pets. It's like, you know, you, you could like, tell, you, you know, your kids are great but you know the idea of oh i love kids is you know complicated oh yeah no it's insane yeah pat in ohio asks if beth if beth is anti-semitic why would you go out with jerry how could you not be aware that he's jewish that's a fair question maybe she doesn't know i you know what to me i think it's i don't even know if she cares if you ever read these like profiles about like alt-right people or people who are like very prejudiced against one type of person a lot of them have like it'll always be like uh you know and his wife who's you know middle eastern or she's asian I, I think it's like a guy wants what he wants, even if he, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, even if, even if he, I think it's even like if he the might idea like not like. of uh, the people. It's like, oh, well, like, I think you could like easily talk yourself. Well, you're one of the good ones. Uh, right, right. Of course. Yeah. Right. Like you're the one who'd go out with me. Right. Um, but I, but you, you'll, you'd be surprised. I think that like even some of like the most rabbi, rabid anti whatever people would still like happily date. Of someone of that race or nationality, or, and, and there's or also whatever. the psychology of that they say that they hate them, but they actually like uh, really love. Right, them. they hate them because they see something in themselves, and therefore it's like maybe they like. I yeah. don't know. It's complicated. It's complicated. Again, we're not smart enough, but I. But it's it's not uncommon. I don't. Think. Right. What does Mike C have right. to say? Uh, Shakespeare once wrote, "Brevity is the soul of wit." Yada yada yada. Did this episode really need the extra two minutes? Good question. We got Shakespeare. We got Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I mean, what would we, we have cut? What would we have cut here? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, you would have had to cut and to a whole storyline. To be fair, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern is uh, Shakespeare, also. No, but, but yes, the, I got, it, I got, it, I got. It. Uh, it's the it's the Tom Stoppard play, basically. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, um, yes, this was fine. I, I don't think that there were two minutes. If you if you're going to cut anything, cut the, uh, the no. The, I think you could make it longer. Probably cut the give us more, scene. more. Yeah, you could have cut the urinal scene. That's true. Yeah. Okay, and then Mike wanted to ask, uh, because the episode had nothing to do with Jerry being offended, what's more insulting, when Akiva called Rob a bad sharer or Rob called Akiva a self-loathing nerd? When did you call me a bad sharer? I don't know. See, the listeners remember stuff. We don't remember stuff. Yeah. Hmm. We got 153 of these. You think we yeah, know I don't remember. We I'm trying to think. Well, and are you a bad share? I don't even like know what that is. Yeah. Uh, like I would tell my son he's a bad share, but I don't I mean, I, I'm sure it's he's right. If I'm not he's a angry, great but. sharer, but I think I'm a fair sharer. Oh, like do. Oh, oh, and now I know what he's talking about. You don't share your food. This is from last oh, week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You like hide your food in cabinets that your kids can't find it. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. Sure. But but there are and people wrote in, there, there are people I, I know 
but nobody wrote in to admit that they did. And this if you think I'm a bad sharer, let's see what happens when I decide that I'm going to keep some of the Legos in my office. The Legos. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you we'll know, see I, who's the me, worst sharer. <laughs> uh, to me, um, the, the people who like lock their food, that's that's like a whole level. You're not <laughs> on that level. Okay. Like put a, put a lock on no, the cabinet. That, uh, I just have things in high cabinets. There's no lock. No, that's fair. If, that's I mean, fair. any if any of them got a chair, they could easily access my stuff. Yeah, just just yeah, use some. You know, be be a little more motivated. You'll find the right. candy. All right. What about uh, Vince Ham? Uh, Vince, I guess quickly, Vince Ham. You know, we, you you still haven't picked out a Star Trek episode for me, right? Yeah, I'm thinking about it still. Okay. Vince Ham uh, suggests the one that has Jason Alexander think tank, and then he says maybe I'll love Star Trek so much he'll be clamoring clamoring to do the Star Trek Discovery podcast that will hopefully start around the time of Seinfeld. Then yeah. Uh, yeah, Re- Jessica Lee said she'd do a Star Trek podcast with me. I don't, I'm not sure that's going to okay. happen. So that was an episode of Star Trek Voyager. I don't want to watch the Star Trek mm. Voyager. Uh, I want to watch Star Trek The Next Generation. That's what I oh like. Oh, my God. And Is this have the Shat in it? This no, one no, Shatner? no Shatner. He's not on the TV show. Um, oh, okay. So I'm sort of of two minds. Like some people like say, oh, I should pick one of the most critically acclaimed beloved episodes right. because then I will convert Akiva. We're not converting Akiva. He's not going to like it. You're not it. converting me. I'm going to hate He's not going to like it. So uh, my mind is find the most bizarre, absurd yeah. episode of Star Trek mm. Next Generation. Yes. So he not only is like uh, WTF. But, like, what did you make me watch? Like, I, I don't want to, yeah. like, give him something that's going to be uh, not a punishment. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. But people are like, oh, there's an eight-parter with, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, they want you to that, watch the that, best of both worlds. But, uh, yeah, no. That's not that's, uh, that's You need to watch something, like, really wacky where they, like, either travel through time or they come up with something. I thought the whole thing is, like, traveling through no, time. No, it travels through space. Oh, man. I hope I don't get divorced now because my pickup line in every Star Trek or Star Wars is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Uh, they have this place called the Holodeck, Akiva, where they can, like, uh, it's almost like vir- like virtual reality, but it's like you can, like, uh, interact with it. It's like, uh, uh, and there's a lot of episodes where they have, like, an adventure in the Holodeck. Ooh, um... Do you think a woman has ever watched an episode of the show? Yes, many women. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, what does Craig have to say? Uh, Peter Melman said that he thought of the line that was going to take off of this episode would have been anti-dentite, not yada, yada, yada. Uh, uh, in, interesting. Funny. I think I think they both yeah. took off, kind of. I think people know anti-dentite, but I agree. Yada, 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 which may have exi- existed before this. I don't know if they invented it. They may have just perfected it. Definitely... People still say people still say people still say it. Uh, Okay, what about Amir? All right, Amir says uh, George asked Doctor Watley if it's normal for his teeth to make hissing or chirping noises. Amir is no dentist, but he doesn't think he needs a professional opinion on this one. No, no, it's not normal. Hmm. And he says Father Curtis goes and tells Watley the insulting joke that Jerry told him. But how could he do that? Jerry told him that joke during confession. Doesn't this Blake break clergy confessional confidentiality? That's interesting. That's a good question. I'm. I don't know if if I like. He told him to talk to Watley, so I think, like, anything is in bounds. Yeah. I don't remember what Jerry's exact words were to the priest in confessional, but I think that when you're talking about another person, I wonder if that's, like, uh, like he's, like, telling he's like telling on Tim Watley. I feel like that, that's yeah. sort of like it. Right. I, I, right. I guess a better, like, someone using better discretion would have known, like, discuss the conversation without mentioning the anti-dentist joke that he told. Yeah. Okay. Um, finally, Chester is back. By the way, Rob, yes. sp- speaking of Chester, the, so I lost the bet and I do something terrible, which is watch Star Trek, the next generation Voyager, whatever <laughs> no. it is. Chester lost the bet. Yes. 
and he has to do something much more ridiculous. I didn't even know about this. He bet the guy who he thought was the worst player in his fantasy football league. Um, they had a finish better bet. The loser has to take the SATs. So one Alexander Chester Esquire needs to show up at a local high school one weekend in May and take the actual SATs and then post the score on the league on the league group. Who cares? Why would anybody do <laughs> this? Do like, why? Why? Well, because he lost the bet. Why, and Chester's why, why, a man why would even? Why would anybody want to make Chester take the SAT? It's I don't know, but <laughs> they're sadists. This is a league that has like a four hundred page, you know, uh, constitution. How old are their magazines? I mean, Chester, uh, not old. But here's here's where it gets ridiculous, Rob. Not only does he have to take the SATs, but the SATs are on Saturday, and he can't take them on Saturday. So he needs to get a letter from his clergyman. He already got it. A letter from his rabbi saying that he cannot, because he's Jewish, he cannot take the SATs on Saturday and needs to take the special, like, you know, makeup SATs on Sunday. So we had to, like, go ask his rabbi but for a letter. But why letting a, him take the SATs? A 33-year-old man had to ask well, his rabbi for a letter, and he had to explain that he lost a fantasy football bet. Yeah, I'm well, sure, why aren't they you know, just arresting him yet? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sure they won't let him into the school. I'm sure he's on many databases. <laughs> but... I mean, I, so he's got to now go to the school with the letter. At some point, isn't there like then, a lot of taxpayer money being wasted of like uh, proctoring? No, it's a private organization. I feel test. like I, I, the SATs are not are not a government test. Yeah, I don't think. I think it's like a, a private company. But I, it definitely. I mean, he's got to probably spend a hundred bucks on it. I'm sure the SATs cost money nowadays. But I, it's so insane. Do you know what he would have won Chester takes if he had the won SAT, the bet? What? Like the other guy would have had to take the SATs. Yeah, who, who cares? cares? <laughs> right. I wouldn't have taken that bet for less than the other guy gives me a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's or like he that's pays for idiotic. my kids' school. That, the whole thing is idiotic. I mean, it was such a bad bet, and he started saying like, "I had a ninety-eight point seven chance of winning that bet when I made it." I mean, what a bad bet! Don't. Okay. This is why the like are the like I would have liked for to have won the the bet that that made me have to watch the Star Trek episode, but like at the end of the day I'm watching one episode of TV. If it was like you had to watch all seven Star Wars, I would have said no. Mm. Like don't make a bet that if you lose it's gonna like ruin your right, day or right. your life. That's stupid. Okay, uh, Chester says, uh, "What kind of horrible urinal etiquette do Jerry and George have? Who stands at consecutive urinals?" Well, were there three? I didn't pay I attention. There were only if there two. Are three, it's insane. Well, here's the here's the question: If there's an even number, or here there's there's two, do you wait instead of going next to the guy? Hmm. The wait is awkward. I don't. But if you think the guy's finishing up, I think you wait. That's usually what I'll do. Yeah, I think. Uh, but if he just gets there, you don't you have know, to wait. Somebody can go to the stall too. Well, George, George is the stall guy. He should have gone. To yeah, the stall. I don't know. I guess that wasn't canon. Uh, who has the worst pickup line? My aunt has been ill of late, or I own a tuxedo. I mean, I do like, like, that was real. They must have workshopped those. Like, those were some funny lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chester, I own a tuxedo. Chester also wanted to know, why did Kramer and Mickey go to the same restaurant on consecutive dates? What do you want them to build that's more a good sets? Question. That, I mean, yeah, that's a good question, though. That's kind of insane. Yeah. And then finally, Chester says, uh, jo- George meets Jerry at the confession booth telling him he needs to talk, but they never talk. What did George need to tell Jerry about? I thought nothing happens off screen. I think that George, uh, at what point does he know that, uh, that the uh, Marcy had sex with her ex-boyfriend? Yeah, I think it's probably about the yada yada stuff. Yeah, yeah, George takes that news remarkably well. Well, yes, except he, you know, he's not. Maybe the reason why he doesn't take her back and we don't see them her again, like he doesn't do the conjugal stuff, is because like she cheated on him. So maybe he's like, 
he, this makes him write her off. I'm not. I sure. mean, he's still with her that she's going to be his date to the wedding. He, they, yeah, they, so you're they, right. He didn't totally write her yeah. off. Yeah, I guess he should have uh, been more upset. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just she's like she's really pretty. Maybe though. she. He felt like are they not exclusive? Is that the, is that the thing? Yeah, I mean, it maybe. Seems like and it's like maybe it's like and we don't get to explore enough because there's so much going on in this episode. But maybe it would have been cool if this was the second episode. Like. She is so awful. Like, I want to one-up her. I need to be the worst person in a relationship. That would be a very funny George. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Keith. Uh, that's it for uh, the yada yada. Yeah, classic, classic episode. episode. Very excited. Uh, do we have a hashtag for this episode? Mm, did you write anything down? About, uh, chicken bisque. Chicken bisque. That's good. <laughs> okay. Um, Keith, what's coming up next week? Next week, we got the Millennium. We got New Mania. George tries to get fired. Elaine tries to put a store out of business. And Jerry wages a speed dial war. Okay. Sounds good. It'll be a fun one. All right. Um, all uh, good stuff. Keith, what's coming up on the 32 fans? You're still talking about the greatest sports legend? Yeah, we did uh, We, we, we uh, did what everyone wants to hear, which is about 45 minutes on our League of Leagues draft and who had a good team and all about the League of Leagues. Okay. So if you like hearing about fantasy leagues, this is the week for you to turn in. All right. Sounds good. Uh, on that front, uh, big thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing the Seinfeld Post Show recap. And, of course, to Mike Moore, who uh, writes our recap. Keeve, a- anything else uh, about the yada yada? No, I mean, it's I, I, I like at this point, you know, I had said at the beginning of the season, like season eight, fantastic. It's the best season. Are you on board right now? No. Are you ready to call season eight? Not ready. Not yet. ready yet. Are you saying it's not the best season or you need to see? the uh, last? I few think episodes? I need to see the last uh, few episodes, but I feel like there was a couple, uh, you know, the last few weeks that I wasn't really, uh, you know, uh, bowled over by. All right. So we'll, 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 you know, go back and sort of go over the totality of it in a few weeks. Okay. Only three episodes left. Keeve. So then uh, where does this leave us? If this is episode, what, 153? 153 mm-hmm. down. How many? What, 26? Yeah, 27 to 27 go. 27 to go. Okay. Yeah. And there's two doubles. So really 25 podcasts. This is like maybe. now, you know, we're counting down the final days of Shea Stadium. We're taking a number off the outfield wall every day now. Yes. Well, hopefully, like, the last episode won't be, like, the last game of Chase. <laughs> yes, a debacle. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Bye. Now I'm going to have nightmares. <laughs>